Hello, everybody. It's the Never Heard of It podcast. I'm Sean Harwell. This is a show where we talk about the movies that have fallen through our cracks. The we in question is myself and my co-host, Craig Moorhead. Reel it on in, Craig. Give it to the people. Tell them something beautiful. Uh, uh, um... I know, I know a dog and a cat that that really get along with each other. Is that right? Yeah, huh. yeah. I've seen a few of those in my life. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty interesting because you know. I mean, I think it's a myth that they hate each other. That all of them hate each other. Mm-hmm. But but when they really get along, it's it's pretty beautiful. Could also be a sign of the apocalypse. Yeah. Well, uh, hey, why can't the apocalypse be beautiful? Now that is a profound statement, Craig. How Thank are you? you? I'm doing all right, Sean. How are you? Good. I got my hair cut today. Isn't that cool? Oh, man. I bet you're beautiful. <laughs> I'm I'm beautifuler. Okay. Let's just leave it at that. Fair enough. I'm good. It's been hot this week, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's heating up, you know. Uh, summertime coming up. It is. It is. I'm yeah. looking forward to that. But first, mm. got to get through this month of May. And uh, I'm excited about the movies that we're going to talk about this week, and I'm excited about the one we're going to tee up today. But first, how about you tell people where they can find us online and on screen? Will do. Uh, fire up your computers and point them at neverheardpodcast.com. That would be our website. You can find every episode we've ever done there. You can find posts about some of the episodes we've done. I believe you can also find links to our Facebook, our Instagram, our Twitter all of which are out there just waiting for your, uh, 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 you, you know, for you to contact us mm-hmm. and just fill them with content. Just just Twitter and Instagram, they just want Facebook too. They just want you to create all the content so they can make money. Think about that. <laughs> Think about that. Yeah. Anyway, but, uh, but besides all that, you can find our podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, anywhere you can leave uh, a review for us would be awesome so that other people can find us and please subscribe because then you don't have to go searching for us every week we'll just show up unannounced like your parents on prom night that didn't make any sense mm. uh like like your in-laws on baby conceiving night oh yes. wow okay. yeah i know it's not a good scene not, I, yeah i should compare it to something good probably <laughs> Uh, no, let's leave it at that. That could be okay. good. You never know. Okay. I hope people listened to the last episode. We went real deep into the waters of Skadoo, the Otto Preminger psychedelic comedy from 1968 with guest Tyler Baum. And Craig, I have to apologize to you. I somehow got screwed up in the editing and lost a chunk of the opening intro that we did. You know, we mainly just kind of covered some of the other things that we had been watching and those just got lost to the ether, but that's okay. This is still a long episode anyway. And yeah, uh, if you want to okay. keep up with what else we've been watching, I'd say uh, come check us out on Letterboxd. You can follow us there, search for the names, and uh, see some of those films that uh, we did talk about, but you didn't get to hear about. Well, that's true. That is very true, Sean. Good point. I don't even remember which ones I talked about. Solo, it does, I think, was okay. one of them. But anyway. Oh, We'll save that for another day. Let's talk about Bugsy Malone. He's a sinner, candy coated. For all his friends, he always seems to be alone. 
this is the 1976 film. You're going to give us the who of it all. Uh, but first, mm-hmm. let me give a synopsis, and this is exactly why I chose this movie, Craig. The classic gangster story of Bugsy Malone, told with an all-child cast. You see, it's that last part that really gets me. And uh, yeah. yeah, I know there's people listening to this out there like, how have you never heard of this movie? It played on HBO 8 million times when we were kids and some... Maybe, all right? Maybe. But uh, sure. when we talk about the release of this movie, that's this is why I never heard of this damn thing. I saw a trailer not too long ago, and it kind of blew my mind. I couldn't be more excited to watch this and, uh, and learn about it some more. So how about you tell us who made it? Let's get right into it then. Bugsy Malone, 1976, directed by Alan Parker. You know, the director of uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall, and Mississippi Burning, and Angel Heart. Ton of good stuff. It was written by um, Alan Parker. No relation. <laughs> I wonder if that's ever happened in the history of film. Why hasn't it? I mean, really, the, the odds are... The odds are kind of in its favor, maybe. I don't know. Statistically, somebody needs to get back to us on that. Yeah. Uh, he wrote Angel Heart and Angela's Ashes, the two two movies that he also directed, mm-hmm. uh, among others. But, uh, you know, so it's not his first time writing. Well, this was probably his first time writing. <laughs> I think it may have been, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's not the point. Yeah, up until now, I, I think it was uh, he'd been doing shorts and stuff, and so I think he 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 wrote Bugsy Malone, um, uh, which is a pretty brilliant idea. So uh, his producers were Alan Marshall, who produced Starship Troopers and Cliffhanger, uh, Leonard Part Six. Oh, wow. If you've seen that, yeah, yeah. Uh, David Putnam, who produced Chariots of Fire, Memphis Bell, among others, and Robert Stigwood, who produced Saturday Night Fever. Grease and Grease 2. Ah. Yeah. Music is by Paul Williams. This made me very excited. Now, Paul Williams, he's done music for tons of stuff, right? He wrote this song, uh, We've Only Just Begun, Rainy Days and Mondays. Uh, he wrote the Rainbow Connection. He did the music for the Muppet movie. He was in Phantom of the Paradise, did a bunch of movie music for that. Uh, I'm a big fan of that movie. Paul Williams. Yeah. Paul Williams did the music for this movie. What, what a perfect, I mean, I'd, a movie in the 70s with a Paul Williams score is, is pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. DPs, Sean, we got two of them. No, we don't, do we? Yeah. Ugh. This movie is so nice, they DP'd it twice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think that's... I mean, is that technically true? That sounds like they shot it twice, you know? Right. Well, I, no. <laughs> Which I mean, would it's be not great. Te- it's not technically true, okay. but but we're actually not <laughs> legally responsible that's, for... That's true. Say what you ...anything want. we say. Yeah. yeah. Peter Bijou, 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 I believe is how. Yes, Peter Bijou shot uh, Truman Show and uh, Time Bandits. Nice. And then we have Michael Saracen, who not only shot the dance film Step Up, but also uh, more recently shot uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. Have you watched any of these Planet of the Apes movies, the new ones? I think I've seen two of the new ones, yeah. I really want to see. I haven't seen any of them, and... I don't know. They always seem like they, they look like they're maybe pretty good. People love them, man. I, I uh, yeah. you know, I, I enjoyed them. I, I, I'm not quite on the bandwagon of throwing Oscars at it or anything quite yet. But, uh, yeah, right. they're well done. They're well done. Yeah, they look good. Uh, film editing was handled by Jerry Hambling. Uh, he also, you like that? Yeah. He also edited In the Name of the Father and the Boxer. Wow. Yeah, along with uh, he's kind of uh, an Alan Parker guy, and he's he's cut a bunch of Alan Parker's movies. Okay. 
And then uh, starring, well, we get right to the cast here. It's starring Trump supporter Scott Baio. <laughs> yes. I think that's how we're supposed to, what well, you're supposed to call him now. <laughs> Fine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, he was in the movie Zapped. Mm-hmm. I hope, I hope everyone's seen that one. That was a movie. The commercials for that movie really captured my childhood mind, I have to say. I don't remember the commercials. I'll have to look on on, uh, on the YouTube. The movie is not a good movie eh. or a funny movie, really. But uh, it's still... There's something about... There's. I think they missed the boat a little bit, I'll, I'll, if I may digress for a moment. Sure. I think they missed the boat a little bit because they, they made Zapped like a, like a teen sex romp. Mm-hmm. But like if they had made that like a PG kids movie, I think it would have killed. You can always remake it, Craig. Well, and maybe I will. Maybe you should. He 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 gets powers from from like radioactive marijuana, so it's it's tough. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'll give it a shot. Make it a um, radioactive measles vaccine. Well, that's interesting. Topical, bro. Yeah, it can have anti-vaxxers in there, and he's always making them fall on banana peels and stuff. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Oh man, that'd be great. Anyway. Uh, Florence Garland is also in this movie. Apparently, this is her one and only movie. She is credited second in the cast. Huh. And it seems like this is the only thing of any capacity she did in movies whatsoever, which I think is interesting. Jodie Foster, third build. Yeah. Sorry. But uh, she, of course, was in Silence of the Lambs. Recently in Hotel Artemis. I want to see that. Have you? No, I, I do want to see oh, that. Trailers though. look crazy. Yeah, th- that looked like a great setup. Yeah, it looked fun. John Cassisi, he uh, he could also be seen. I'm just I'm purposefully I like it yeah. mispronouncing names now, so Cassisi? I don't feel so silly when I do it the other way. But uh, John Cassisi was also in Barney Miller among some huh. TV shows. If anyone out there is watching, I don't know where Barney Miller might run anymore. Michael Jackson. Now this is when my heart stopped. Yeah, I'm reading the cast list. I see Michael Jackson. I think. That can't be the Michael Jackson. Well, think of all the kids around, Craig. Well, that's well, that's what I'm saying. Well, okay, all right, all right. Topical, hey, bro. Fair, fair game, bro. Fair game. Oh God, everything about Michael Jackson is I know. is horrifying now. Yeah. But I think that can't be our Michael Jackson. And then it says uh, character's name is Razmataz, and I'm like, if Michael Jackson is in this movie, mm-hmm. his name is definitely Razmataz. But I'm happy to report. That this this set was a safe set. Michael Jackson was nowhere near it, except well, this Michael Jackson was. Mm-hmm. Dexter Fletcher. I bring him up because when I saw his face, he looked super familiar, but I couldn't think of what I had seen him in. I mean, he he was in Band of Brothers. Maybe that's what I remember mm-hmm. him from. But yeah, very familiar face. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. He'll be like twelve years old, so I don't know how familiar he'll look to me then. And then Jonathan Scott Taylor. I bring him up because he would a, a couple years later play Damien. In The Omen 2. Huh. A frighteningly good-sounding uh, movie, wouldn't you say? Yes, yes, I would say that. Exactly, <laughs> verbatim. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, Sean, so that's what I've got for the cast and crew. What was happening behind the scenes? Quite a bit, Craig, quite a bit. Oh, yeah? But yeah, there's a lot of British pedigree in this movie. Behind the, nice. behind the cameras and then uh, sure. some American household names in front. All right, let's get into it. So, yeah, you mentioned this is a pretty ingenious idea. Well, here's how it happened, Craig. Mm. So Alan Parker said that he first came up with this idea while driving from London to his house in Derbyshire. I may be pronouncing that wrong. Uh, I think that's exactly right. Quote, I had four young children, and we used to go to a cottage 
uh, at weekends. On the long, boring car journey up there, I started telling them the story of a gangster called Bugsy Malone. They'd ask me questions, and I'd make up answers based on my memories of watching on movies as a kid. Apparently, hearing that story, his uh, eldest son said, you should make a movie about that, but make the kids the heroes. So really, he owes his entire career to his son. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. As you can imagine, with any movie that has a child actor in it, let alone an entire cast of children, uh, the casting took a while. Said they took an entire year to complete. They went all over Britain, as well as Brooklyn and Los Angeles. They saw over 10,000 youths. Mm -hmm. Scott Bayo recalled, quote, I had quit the business. <laughs> Which just sounds funny, because how old could well, he have possibly yeah. at the time, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I didn't like driving into Manhattan. Well, the long and the short of it is that I wanted to play with my friends after school, but it happened to be raining that day, so I went to the city to meet with Alan Parker. I read it, but I just barely read it. I didn't even want to be there. He was English, but I didn't even know what that was. He was just this weird guy with long hair, and I didn't know what he was. So I sort of read the script, threw it at him, and walked out the door. That was it. I'd gotten the part before I got home. <laughs> so would-be actors, yep. let that be a lesson. Just yeah, act like you're auditioning jerks. completely yeah. wrong. Yeah. So Craig, huh. yes. you mentioned John Cassisi. Oh, man, John Cassisi. What's up with him? Well, he plays the character Fat Sam, and apparently he was discovered after Alan Parker just went to a Brooklyn school and uh, went in one class and asked who was the naughtiest boy in that class. The entire <laughs> class replied, John Cassisi, and he got the part. That sounds like a, a very much a, a, a fake story, but I saw it twice, so there it is. Fair enough, fair enough. That's double uh, double uh, indemnity. No, that's double, uh, ah, forget it. Double Jeopardy? Double Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you mentioned Florence Garland and her only role, perhaps. Well, yeah. she wasn't supposed to be one of the leads in this movie. She originally had a minor part, uh, except the original actress. Guess what happened, Craig? She got tonsillitis. She had a growth spurt, uh, and not just in her oh, tonsils. Yep. Busted. She became yeah. taller than Scott Bayo, and that was a problem. So Not allowed. Yep. Florence Garland then got uh, a different part. My God, if I was that actress. Can you imagine? Oh, my God. As a kid, I would have been real upset, man. Devastated. Oh, yep. God. Anyway, just because Scott Bayo's little fire plug. Anyway. Oh, Can't they put, like, lifts under Scott Bayo or yeah. get him on an Apple box or two? Or just let him be short for a second. Jesus. Anyway. But, yeah, all told, average age of all the child actors and actresses in this movie was 12. Uh, yeah. The entire cast were under the age of 17 at the time of filming. As you know, probably, Craig, but uh, when you work with kids, that means there's a lot of paperwork. Um, so every child in this movie uh, had to have an individual medical approval and working license. The official paperwork to allow children to work in the movie was mountainous, it was said. More than 33 English councils were involved, as well as bureaucracy in New York and L.A., up to six teachers were on hand during production in a special full-time school at Pinewood Studios. Uh, oh they had to handle various grade levels. One of the teachers there, Lynn Simonin, apparently wrote a paper about it, Craig, so maybe you could find that online sometime. I'll find it. I keep thinking somebody needs to make a movie about like on-set teachers. Like I would just keep thinking about there's that picture of that old lady who was like the on-set tutor for all the kids in Goonies. And I just can't imagine <laughs> the hell they must have given her. Oh, man. <laughs> I wrangled kids on, on, on a movie once. 
Yeah. And I didn't even have like the full brunt of that job. But that was hard. That was difficult. So. And they were generally pretty good kids. So. Yeah. Oh, man. Whew. Anyway, uh, yeah. you mentioned Paul Williams. Okay, so here's how that happened. Yeah. So originally, Alan Parker wrote several songs for this movie. And then he performed them for David Putnam, the producer, and Alan Marshall uh, in Alan Parker's kitchen, it was said. And the response from David Putnam was, quote, I think we'd better get a professional composer, end quote. So <laughs> Paul Williams was then hired. Yeah. They rehearsed for two months, and they started shooting in July of 75 at the aforementioned Pinewood Studios, and they wrapped 12 weeks later in early October. It said that Florence Garland was quoted as having a frosty relationship off screen with Scott Bayo and admitted years later that she couldn't stand him. Hmm. But oh. Scott Bayo remembers things slightly different, and it's not specific to her, but he, quote, said the f- making the film was awesome. A kid's fantasy. You get to dress up as a gangster. You get to shoot guns that fire whipped cream. You get to drive cars with pedals that look like real cars. And you get to talk like a grown-up. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better first big gig. Talk about getting you hooked on a business. It was fantastic. Yeah. Does sound fun, right? It does, man. Man. Jodie Foster said that she found many of the British cast terrifying because of the antics that they would get up to. So maybe she was a little little nervous around some of those guys sure. and gals. But Alan Parker said of her... Quote, if I had gone sick on Bugsy Malone, I swear she could have taken over. So uh, high credit indeed. <laughs> and I, I, I don't yeah. doubt it. It would have been interesting to let Jodie Foster direct half of that movie when she was 12 or whatever. I know. I feel like we should have a movie directed by a 12-year-old by now. Yeah, it should happen. Mm. Let's work on it. Mm. Anyway, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of mention about, you know, and if you've seen the trailer, uh, you know, they've got Tommy guns throughout this thing, but they essentially shoot what looks like whipped cream. And uh, that took a lot of work. Yeah. Props and effects department could not get, and they're called splurge guns for some reason. I don't know. That's maybe we'll figure it out when we see this thing. But they couldn't get it to fire the cream mixture safely. They tried wrapping it in wax balls and tested it out on production manager Garth Thomas, who was well over <laughs> six feet tall and weighed about 20 stone, which I think is about 45 pounds. Mm, and mm-hmm. That's not right. No. no. Alan Parker fired the gun at him, and it hit him in the forehead, knocking him off of his feet and left a huge red mark. So Whoa. they decided, you know what, we probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, in the end, it was said that the guns just fired ping pong balls, and they they carefully edited things to make it look like uh, it was shooting these cream balls, and you would get the cut to the person, and they would throw cream in their face. So you yeah. can look for that as an editor when we watch this thing. Uh, they apparently went through a thousand gallons of synthetic cream. Uh, they were originally going to use shaving cream, but uh, guess what? Yeah, that hurts your eyes, apparently, when you get that in oh, there. Oh, yeah. Over a 1,000 custard pies were thrown during this movie, which I hope God. hope is the case. It's yeah, amazing. It sounds fun. So it seems like they had a good time, but it was said that the music ended up being rushed, I think, due to Paul Williams' schedule. And he, he mentioned, uh, watching the film again years later, that it is the one aspect that he finds most bizarre is that they have an entire cast of kids, but all the singing was done by adults, which I think, just in theory, sounds awesome and ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. And only heightens this, the insanity. Absolutely. But, quote, adult voices coming out of these kids, 
I had told Alan that I didn't want squeaky, or maybe this is a quote from Alan Parker. Well, I had told Paul, okay, so yeah, sorry. I had told Paul that I didn't want squeaky kids' voices, and he interpreted this in his own way. Anyway, as the tapes arrived, scarcely weeks away from filming, we had no choice but to go along with it. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe it would have looked a little differently, given more time. But anyway, yeah, they were up against the clock because this movie premiered at the Cannes Film Festival in 1976. Do you remember what won that year, Craig? Oh, Cannes Film Festival 1976, that would have been, uh, that would have been the, uh, um... Very notable American film from the 70s. Oh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that would be, uh... Well, see, there's a lot of movies that came out in the 70s. Very notable Martin Scorsese American film from the 1970s. Oh, 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 yeah. So that'd be Taxi Driver. Correct, ding, ding, ding. Yay! And over here in America... This movie plopped in theaters on September 15th, 1976, released by Paramount Pitches. Uh-huh. Uh, in Italy, it was known as Piccoli Gangsters. I got some taglines for you. Mm-hmm. Grab your gat and grab your gal. Bugsy Malone is coming to town. All right. Yeah, those are instructions for life. Now, wait, but wait, this is this is a kid's movie. Yeah, it's rated G. Yeah, it's a kid's movie. So, so on the... On the poster, it says to get your gun and your girl. Pretty much. Okay, that's fine. Uh, another one said, <laughs> you're going to hug the mug called Bugsy Malone. Mm, okay. I'm looking at the poster on IMDb. This just this isn't even a tagline. I don't even know what you call this. It just sounds like general information. It says, every year, and this is above the title, every year brings a great movie. Every decade, a great movie musical. But meanwhile, here's Bugsy Malone. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, which is kind of at least how it landed in America, okay? So it made right. $2.78 million domestically. Uh, the budget I saw listed was around 1 million pounds. So again, that's about 14 U.S. dollars, give or take. And it just got a limited release here for some reason. And it said usually that was even in second-tier theaters as a double bill with Bad News Bears, which would have been amazing, by the way. That would have been pretty great. But that movie had already been out for six months, so it wasn't even doing big business at that point anyway. It finished the year, however, wrapping up as the 67th highest-grossing musical of all time, according to Box Office Mojo, which still seems crazy given the limited release. But in the UK, it did much, much better. And we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, number one movie that year, Craig, 76. You know what that is, don't you? Number one movie in 76 uh, can only be one thing, Sean. Uh, why don't you, why don't you dun, tell me dun, 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 dun. Oh, that, of course, that's Rocky. Rocky. Wait. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought that was 75. But fair enough. 76. Rocky. Rocky. Rocky Balboa. Here's a fun fact. Yeah. As the years have gone by, the number two movie for that year is a movie called To Fly. It may sound familiar to you, Craig, because it is an IMAX documentary mm-hmm. about the history of flight that, as of last writing on Wikipedia, is shown daily to this date at the Smithsonian Air and uh, Space Museum there in Washington, oh, D.C., yeah. which I've been to. Yeah. I think I even saw an IMAX film there. I don't know if I saw that one. Uh, but it was the highest-grossing documentary ever until Fahrenheit 9-11 came along. So I had no idea. Wow. So Michael Moore kind of ruined it all. Yeah. Nice. Number three, A Star is Born. That is not the Gaga version. Sorry, folks. Uh, number four, All the President's Men. Five, The Omen. Big year for that. 
Oh, yeah. Six, In Search of Noah's Ark. Never heard of that. Seven, King Kong. I think that is the Jeff Bridges version, I believe. Makes sense. Silver Streak, number eight. Number nine, The Enforcer. Number 10, Midway. I'm burping mm-hmm. a lot. I'm sorry. Also this year. It's all right. Burp it up. I think it was a bigger year outside of the top 10. Got to say. Not yeah. to pass judgment on those movies, but listen here. You got Bertolucci's 1900, Assault on Precinct 13, Car Wash, Carrie, Freaky Friday, Gator, Grizzly, Harlan County, USA, In the Realm of the Senses, The Killing of a Chinese Bookie, The Last Tycoon, The Man Who Fell to Earth, Marathon Man, Mikey and Nikki, Network, Obsession, that's uh, double, double De Palma that year, Outlaw Josie yeah. Wells, Mel Brooks' Silent Movie, Bob Rafelson, Stay Hungry, and the aforementioned Taxi Driver. So pretty good year, I think, from the looks good. of it. And a little movie called Star Wars started shooting that year on March 22nd. God bless him. I also did not yeah. know, but uh, this was also the big first year for the Steadicam. Uh, it appeared in Rocky, oh. Marathon Man, and Bound for Glory. Yeah. Did not know that. that. Makes sense. Uh, Oscars that year, Rocky, of course, won Best Picture. John Elvidson won Best Director. Uh, Patty Chayefsky won Best Script for Network. Big, big victory for that movie as well in the actor category for Peter Finch, who was the first person to win posthumously. Mm -hmm. Faye Dunaway won Best Actress for Network. Beatrice Strait won Best Supporting Actress for Network. Jason Robards won Best Supporting Actor for All the President's Men. Black and White and Color won Best Foreign Film. But hey, Craig. Sean. Bugsy Malone got nominated for Best Music. They had three ki- three music categories in the Oscars back then. Best Music, parentheses, original song score, and its adaptation or adaptation score. That's all one category. Ooh. It was nominated for that and lost to Bound for Glory. Jerry Goldsmith mm. won Best Score for The Omen. Did you know that? I did know uh, The Omen. The bit about the omen, yeah, pretty crazy. That's a really good score. Uh, again, big big hit in uh, in the UK for Bugsy Malone. Got nominated for eight Baftas, including Best Picture. Won three. Jodie Foster got Best Supporting Actress for this and Taxi Driver. She also won Best Newcomer, and Alan Parker won Best Screenplay that year against some formidable competition. I might add. Yeah, no doubt about it. Critics were mostly positive. Uh, Siskel and Ebert both gave it over three stars. Siskel said, um, what makes Bugsy Malone really worth watching, as opposed to being just a cute idea, are the fine performers, terrific choreography, catchy songs, and bright photography. Vincent Canby wrote in the New York Times, uh, the world that Alan Parker has created in Bugsy Malone is very peculiar indeed, but he is remarkably successful considering the terrible odds against such a stunt in the first place. Which we'll have to talk about that when we dive in. I mean, good God, like an entire cast of kids, that is, uh, yeah. that's asking a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Pauline Kale was less kind, uh, no surprise there. In The New Yorker, she said the film was nothing but its god awful idea. <laughs> Quote, we're not watching the actors in a story, we're watching kids doing a stunt, and so we're primed to ooh and ah the way the audience does for a chimp on the Carson show. End quote. But what's wrong with the chimp on the Carson show? I'd watch show? the chimp on the Carson show, no problem. Right. Yeah. But Alan Parker, uh, admittedly, was not uh, overly enthused about this movie following its release, I guess. And it said that he didn't even include it on his filmography for years. But his attitude has changed over time, and, and now he admits to being pretty proud of it. 
and uh, it's been performed on stage several times and with with limited success. And I, I think that's that's part of it too. Like I guess he was not happy with some of the initial times it was it was turned into a, a stage musical, but it was redone in 2015 in London and supposedly a huge hit. So it's living on to this day. And man, the people over there just love this thing. This movie was voted number 19, Craig, of 100 Greatest Musicals uh, by BBC Channel 4 viewers. And they did a similar list of the top 100 greatest family films. This placed number 39. Oh, wow. And Empire Magazine did a list of the 500 greatest films of all time. And this was number 353. So, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it made the cut. <laughs> it sure did. It sure did. But man, it never even got a DVD release in the United States, as far as I can tell. Which is I was going to say, yeah, it's not easy to come by. Yeah, and you would think, I mean, Jodie Foster's in this thing. Like, you could sell it right. to somebody, right? Scott I mean, Bale. honestly, even yeah, even with Trump's supporter Scott Bale, like, yeah, exactly. Both of their names equals something. Yeah, you should be able to make money off this. That that kind of blew my mind. I do think there's um, a Region Two Blu-ray floating around, but I I think that's about it. However, I should say right yeah. now, it is streaming thankfully, on the Criterion channel, which you can do a free trial to, and uh, you should do so because it's shaping up to be pretty awesome. And uh, that's that's where I'm going to watch this thing, so uh, you should do that as well. I think this was so popular in the U.K. that there were immediate plans to turn it into a television series in 1976, which it said was going to be filmed in Dublin, and that's the only information I saw about it, but uh, it never, ever happened, sadly. Oof. That is sad. Now, here's a fun fact, and you brought up The Muppet Show, or The Muppet Movie, earlier. Yeah. So, on September 15th, 1976, I didn't find a ton going on that was, you know, relevant to kind of what we do here, but... Sure. On the 13th, The Muppet Show premiered. Uh-huh. I didn't know that it premiered in the United Kingdom. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they had made two pilots. They went through two pilots at ABC... And never got picked up to series, but there was a guy in the UK that was like, no, bring it over here. I'll definitely do it. So it started there. That's fantastic. I bet ABC feels pretty dumb. I know. It feels like such an American thing, too. And yeah, <laughs> its initial audience was not. So, um, yeah, they do probably feel pretty dumb. That's it. That's all I got for Bugsy Malone. Uh, I think people should go watch it and uh, come back next time. What do you think? I think that's exactly what they should do, Sean. Uh, I agree with your sentiment. Well, cool. You know what? I'm not going to ask you for any last words tonight because I feel like you oh. gave a really uh, poetic statement earlier. So we're just going to uh, call it a day. Cool. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. All right. We'll see y'all next time. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.